Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Fan Junkies Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, Mike McShane. Mike, what's up, buddy? Hey, you know something? I got to tell you. I am so thrilled that today is the first day of spring. And that it's still freezing it? I was going to say, now if it would just feel like it, because we've got wind chills out there of 20 degrees. Yeah. My well, goodness. I think it's uh, time... Uh, we we have a hitman sent to America to whack Pucks at Tony Phil, man. What do you uh, think? Yeah, yeah, I've heard so many comments made in that direction. You know, there's so many people that want to go out and, uh, well, that's that just wouldn't be right, though. Yeah, it would be. You know, going after a poor little innocent groundhog. Just not right. Hey, listen, man. The only guy that should go after him is the guy that uh, gets urine all over him when he pulls that groundhog out of him. Oh, Lord almighty. Okay. All right. It's Wednesday. <laughs> It's Wednesday. I'm okay. tired. We can't wait for Friday. It's going to be a good weekend. Uh, uh, all right. Well, anyhow, it's springtime, folks. <laughs> it, it is springtime, and it, that means it's springtime here at Fan Junkies Radio as well, Mike. <laughs> My allergies will be kicking up very shortly, so. Absolutely. Uh, well, before we uh, get rolling here, let's uh, also throw out here that we're going to be joined by five-star basketball CEO and co-founder, Lee Klein will be joining us at 12.15 to talk NCAA basketball, Mike. I'm looking forward to it. you got to know. I, 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 I am so hyped for tomorrow. Actually, for this evening, because i got a big game coming up tonight. But Do you? Why, you're playing? Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to talk to uh, Lee about that one. Now, my, my, my alma mater will be playing in one of the play-in games. LaSalle uh, Explorers will be playing Boise State. Want to get Lee's uh, thinking on that one, hoping my... LaSalle Explorers advanced for the first time in 21 years. So a big shout-out to them. Uh, school just turned 150 years old today, I believe it is. Wow, so you were there your whole career? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we'll talk to Lee about that and much more, Mike. <laughs> let's, get, let's get to our NHL hat trick picks here real quick so we can get that out of the way. Uh, once again, hattrick.nhl.com if you want to join up and uh, you know try to uh, face me and Mike. We're tied 3-3 right now. Um, look for the Fan Junkies Radio League. It's fun. Yeah. Here's the questions for today, Mike. Which team will win between the Buffalo Sabres and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Hear this, uh, you hear this particular line a lot at this time of year. I'm going chalk on all of my picks today. I'm going. Oh, wait, no, wait, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. Wait, uh, I got the wrong teams. Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm sorry. I'm going with uh, I'm going with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, I'm going Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Will San Jose Sharks score a power play goal tonight against the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, Edmonton's got the eighth-best uh, penalty kill in the league right now. Uh, killing them off at a rate of 83%, I'm saying no. I'm saying yes, Mike. Wow. Which team will win tonight between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Anaheim Ducks? Could this, could this game get any closer than this? I mean, these two teams are so similar. Uh, boy, Anaheim has quietly, quietly put together an incredible record. This is a home game for Anaheim. Anaheim's only, I believe, lost one game at home. I'm going with Anaheim. I'm going Chicago. 
Wow, we are completely the opposite. Absolutely, Mike. That's what I planned for today. My goodness. Can't wait to see your bracket. <laughs> oh, you'll love my bracket. Got a lot of upsets on my bracket. Remember, oh. have no fear, underdog is here. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, Mike. Today in sports. Today in sports, uh, we're going to be talking a little Major League Baseball. I thought I would bring this one up uh, because uh, we're in a moment we're going to be talking about guys under investigation. 24 years ago today, 1989, it was announced that Cincinnati Reds manager Pete Rose uh, was under investigation for gambling. And I think we all know what the outcome of that was. Yes. So talking, Travesty, uh, Mike. Talking about guys under investigation, I kind of thought that that was appropriate. 24 years ago, uh, hard to imagine. I remember when that all went down. Yes. Remember, Mike, only in Major League Baseball can you use illegal drugs, cheat, get away with it, still play and sign multi-million dollar contracts, but if you bet on another team, you're yeah. out. That's it. You're done. Well, you know, it's funny because on Saturday, I do the Today in Sports on Saturday as well. And uh, this past Saturday, I was bringing up, uh, you know, what what was one of the major events there. Um, I forget how many years ago it was. I probably have my notes here on my desk here someplace. But um, the uh, Today in Sports the other day was the reinstatement of uh, 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 Alex Karras. Uh, and this was for the NFL. Alex Karras was reinstated after an 11-month suspension for gambling. Yeah. In the NFL, yeah, uh, and gambling on on football games, yeah, way and before I, uh, Pete Rose was. So, and I made the comment. I said, "My gosh, in Major League Baseball, well, that gets you banned for life. In the NFL, uh, you did that back then, and uh, well, you just uh, you know you served some time for eleven months and didn't didn't play a season, uh, but you were back in. So, it's a real shame, Mike. It really is, man. It's, it's rather odd when you think about it. Uh, well, I have some other words for it, but we can't tell them here. It's a it's a family friendly show. So, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, let's continue with the trend and let's talk World Baseball Classic. Uh, last night, the unbeaten Dominican Republic team beat Puerto Rico three to nothing to win the World Baseball Classic. Yankee second base with Robinson Cano named MVP. Mike, uh, did you have a chance to watch any of the game? Or I did not. Um, you know, it's funny. I I've listened to a lot of uh, sports analysts and what have you. The uh, WBC just doesn't have quite the uh, a draw, I think, for American audiences that it does for, obviously, uh, uh, folks in other countries. Uh, probably because, you know, we have our, our long, long, long baseball season, uh, and that's where we put all of our emphasis. So I really didn't – I really – while I followed what was going on in the World ba- uh, Baseball Classic, I really didn't watch the games. Yeah. Uh, th- this did not come as a surprise, uh, of course, that the Dominicans won this uh, – won the, won the championship. Um, I, I think they were probably the hands-on favorite to win it. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, congratulations to the Dominican Republic team. You won. And guess what? Now it's time for the MLB season to start. Hey, not to me. It's just like whatever. You know. Well, see, uh, you're, you're you're displaying my my point exactly. I yeah. I, I I watched uh, probably five minutes of the game last night. Tuned in. Um, didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Um, I tuned into uh, one of the USA games uh, last week and. Uh, Turned that off within five minutes. Did nothing for me. So, yeah, I, I mean it's an interesting phenomenon. I just, uh, you know, I understand that other teams come to it with uh, a bit of a lather, but uh, here in America, we just uh, we really don't. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start it over to uh, some players that are being investigated, Mike, like you said, and uh, let's talk a little bit about this Bob Nightingale story today on USA Today Sports. 
uh, titled Braun Remains Calm Amid Drug Firestorm. And uh, talks about Ryan Braun and, uh, you know, just doing what he does best, uh, probably sitting around and lying and good stuff like that. But it's all based on the Biogenesis Clinic records. Ninety baseball players, Mike, are on that list. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised at that number. That's the first time I'd actually heard a number. We had heard some names, uh, Jonathan. Uh, you and I have talked about some names yes. that have been implicated on that particular list. I had not heard a number associated uh, with uh, you, you know with the investigation. Uh, the article goes on to indicate that apparently Major League Baseball officials have been in touch with all of the players that have been implicated and their agents and have put them on notice that they are being investigated and that potentially they may be pulled up uh, to uh, testify. Yeah. Do you think anything's uh, going to come from it? or? Well, listen, I, I think there's going to have to be, wouldn't you think? There wouldn't be this much chatter about it. There wouldn't be this much talk about it. Uh, uh, particularly, I mean, obviously Major League Baseball is not hiding anything. Yeah. They're making it well known here. That in fact they're they're going out and they're investigating, you know. Otherwise, this kind of thing wouldn't be being reported. So, it's evident that uh, they're going to go somewhere with it. Now, you know, you and I had all talked about, <laughs> excuse me, consistently. Now we've talked about the timing of it all and how that timing potentially was playing in with, uh, as we just got done talking about the WBC. Yeah. Uh. So, you know, now suddenly with articles coming out like this today right on the heels of the WBC uh, being concluded yesterday, one starts to wonder whether things are starting to move along a little quicker now again. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that just kind of smacks of what we were talking about before. And that is that, you know, there being a bit of collusion uh, with, you know, the ongoing WBC and allowing that to take place and, and not interfering with it. I, I, the whole thing, you know, kind of stinks to me. Yeah, it does think. Now, let me ask you this. The report from DAPS.TV, uh, can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but uh, you know, saying that Robinson Cano, Curtis Granderson, A-Rod, and Ryan Braun all failed PED testing and will be eventually suspended. We kind of had the angle in that it's probably not happening because of the WBC, because two players, Ryan Braun and Robinson Cano, were playing in the WBC. Now... If that comes out as being true, Mike, after Robinson Cano helped the Dominican Republic team win the WBC and being named MVP, what kind of outlash do you think that they, you know that should happen? Well, you know, you got to wonder, Jonathan. Will, will there actually be any, uh, uh, you know, backlash from it, or will there be any outcry from the fans about it? Uh, as we just pointed out, the WBC does not have uh, quite the American draw that it does in other countries. Uh, you know, are, are we suddenly going to see uh, a, a Dominican fan base uh, that's going to be outraged? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be outraged at all. Possibly not. But you know what? Let me ask you this now. If the suspensions came before the WBC, right? do you think Robinson Cano would have been allowed to play for the Dominican Republic team? Well, now, that's an interesting question, and I have wondered about that myself because I don't know how Major League Baseball views the WBC. Is this considered exhibition? Uh, is this considered by the MLB uh, Players Association? Is this considered uh, an honor? Is this like being uh, on an all-star uh, team? Or yeah. does uh, the Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball have absolutely nothing to do with this at all? 
Uh, I would think Major League Baseball has to come into play at some point or another with the WBC because, in fact, they have to grant the right to those players to go play in those particular games and be released from their individual rosters that, uh, you know, where they might be playing in, uh, in spring training. Yeah, well, it is sanctioned by the IBAF, which is the International Baseball Federation, but the WBC has was created by Major League Baseball, okay. the Major League Baseball Players Association, and other professional baseball leagues. Well, then one would think that if, in fact, any kind of suspensions they would come down prior to the WBC starting, yeah. that, in fact, you know, that should uh, disqualify uh, any potential players who would be on suspensions from being able to participate. That would only make sense. Well, they would have been able to have the power to tell that player, no, you can't play for the WBC this year. Right. Right? Do you right. think that would have happened, though? Well, you know, you and I have, and this is where we go, you and I have actually insinuated, <laughs> if I could use that word, uh, you know, talking like a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. You and I have insinuated that, in fact, one of the reasons that we have not heard anything <laughs> particular uh, to these kinds of allegations is because, in fact, has it been a situation where Major League Baseball wanted the WBC to proceed without any interference from this type of thing? Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, I, for one, if it were me, you, you know where I'm going to go with it. If, 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 if it's indicated that Braun and Cano were, 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 were uh, doping, uh, then, listen, I don't want them in the WBC. I don't want them in Major League Baseball, period. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, you know, you know, something I read to you before, um, you know, we received the ESPN MLB preview uh, issue of the magazine. Yes. And uh, one of the questions there is, who is the last player you would ever want to add to your clubhouse? Alex Rodriguez, a known PED user, number one on the list, 28.4% of the vote. Number three on the list, another known PED user, Ryan Braun, with 10.8% uh, of the vote. And great quote coming with this, nobody likes Braun, says an AL slugger. He cheated, and the only reason he got off is that the old owner of his team is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. <laughs> well, th you know, there you go. We rest uh, our <laughs> well, you and I have made this kind of comment about Selig before. Uh, yep. You know, it's one of the reasons I really don't like the guy. Bump. I don't trust him. Yep. You know, I've always felt that he, he's had a split affinity. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me that some of Braun's teammates would have that impression as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, they look at it and they feel that there's some baggage there. You know, I've always made the statement before too, Jonathan. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And if if the if we're coming out and we're finding that so many people feel this particular way about Ryan Braun, well, there's got to be something to it. Yeah. One of the things that I find rather disturbing is that I read an article the other day where it indicated that people like Braun, um, and um, and of course Cano and others that were mentioned in, as you pointed out, that 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 group of four players that we talked about before. Granderson involved in it. Uh, who else was there that I missed? A-Rod. A-Rod. Um, that, in fact, the uh, Major League Baseball Players Association would absolutely back them up. And I think that that is a disgrace. Huh. I agree with you, man. It is a disgrace. There's a that lot going on in baseball. Disgrace. Yeah, and it's and it's a big disgrace. So, 
Oh, man, I tell you, Mike, it's, uh, you know, it's just never-ending in baseball. It's always something coming out, and, uh, you know, to me, it's not tarnishing game. To me, the game has already been tarnished, and, uh, you know, for a lot of fans, and I'm sure uh, there are a lot out there in my in the same boat as me, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly done with the game because of it. You know, well, there's, I- there's just so many years in between when this first came out, Mike, to now, and yet there's still no control over it. Yeah. There's not even an ounce of control over it. Right. I, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's the thing that is is so hurtful, uh, particularly. And, 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 you know, John, and I think you're expressing uh, the sentiment of of a real fan. I, I mean, some people would would probably hear what you're saying and go, "Oh, well, the guy's just reacting." You know, he's really not a real fan. No, I think you are reacting as a real fan. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a long time uh, Major League Baseball fan. I go back decades and decades and decades, and uh, to me, it, it's kind of as if it's kind of as if I feel that as a fan, uh, we've been taken advantage of, um, and, and we've been hurt. Uh, and, and to continue to have these kinds of things occur and and damage our belief in the game is very very saddening as yeah. as, as a fan. It really is. It's it's very very disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike. Well, uh, you know, as we wait for uh, our guest to call in, and hopefully he does call in, I just got a uh, story across my desk here, Mike, that uh, I'm sure you'll get a kick out of. Uh, Tim Doyle from the Big Ten Network. Yes. Studio analyst. Uh, he got into a fight uh, with former uh, NBA player Kendall Gill on set yesterday. Uh, physical altercation because uh, a, uh, um, I guess uh, Doyle, uh, you know, you know, kind of criticized Gill's on-air analysis of his contra- uh, of the uh, play that ended the Nuts, uh, Nuggets and Bulls game a couple of nights ago. And uh, Kendall Gill approached uh, Doyle and called him out for his comments, which, you know, wasn't anything bad. It was just, you know, another analyst telling another analyst his, uh, you know, opinion was wrong. We've, we've heard that many times before. And, uh, yeah, it, it escalated into a shoving match, and uh, Gill – Threw a punch and uh, you know landed a good one on Doyle. So it looks like Kendall Gill is going to lose his job with, My gosh. Uh, I believe, CSN uh, Chicago. I think he uh, works for. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, when we can't express our opinions any longer about something that might have occurred, um, and we lose our job over it, then um, hmm. wow, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, listen, this is what we do for a living here, Jonathan. We express our opinion constantly. Yeah, I mean, you know what? If somebody tells you your opinion is wrong, you can't go and, uh, you know, physically uh, hurt them over it. Stupid. No, absolutely you know, not. Stupid by Kendall Gill. Uh, you know what? If he loses his job over it, well-deserving. So. Uh, I mean, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes you and I unique. Well, not unique, but I think, re- you know, professional is the fact that you and I disagree constantly. All the time. But in fact, you know, I think you disagree with me too much, Mike. I, I listen. I probably do for my own good. I don't know. <laughs> All right, man. All right, let's uh, get into some NCAA basketball. Absolutely, I've been waiting for this. Yeah, I know you're happy about it. So let's uh, get our guest on here. And uh, joining us right now is Five Star Basketball CEO Lee Klein. Lee, how you doing, man? Doing well. Good afternoon, guys. Lee, thanks for joining us again. I've been looking forward to this. Well, there's no crystal ball. <laughs> and they play, and they don't play the game on paper. They play it on a court. And as we sit there and we look at it, we try to project who should win or who's better than who. 
at the end of the day, the kids and the coaches, they're just not sure which of their, you know, well, who's showing up. Right. Each team's a Jekyll and Hyde. Each team's got its good and bad days. So that's what makes it so fun. I mean, look at last night, and I don't know, uh, obviously this was the NIT, but you had right. Robert Morris right. playing Kentucky. And, and then you look at sort of, you know, what I call the motivation factor. Here's a Kentucky team that's got to go on the road after disappointment mm-hmm. and not making the NCAA tournament. And they have to match the the motivation and the excitement of the Robert Morris kids that are playing in the biggest game if you will, on the school's campus. Right. How do you match that motivation, that desperation? And and as you saw early on, they didn't. And they had, you know, they had talent, but not to the level that they can just separate themselves uh, at any particular time. And that's why you go down. So, I mean, that's what that's what March is all about. And that's, Absolutely. that's what it's, makes it all great. It's the beauty of the NCAA tournament is the fact that, as we see, and, and, you know, I was just saying to Jonathan pre-show, uh, because he was taking a look at the bracket himself, Yeah, I said, uh, you know, get prepared. In that first round, you can expect to see at least one-third of the uh, matchups, in my opinion, at least one-third of them, maybe perhaps even more this particular year, will be upsets. And that's the beauty of the tournament. It's one and done. You go in, one and out. And as you just pointed out, Lee, so much of it is, is momentum and is uh, how you're going to come out onto that court in that particular – you know, talk about the whole attitude of sun, you know, in, in football on any given Sunday. In this particular case, in any given game, uh, the whole thing can be completely turned around. Right, and you have a lot of factors as far as when you, when you break into the psyche of it. You know, the, the team itself, the seasons really for college basketball is a roller coaster. I mean, there are times – you know, you're it's all going well and you're gelling, you're feeling really good about yourself and your teammates and the team and then for sure you're gonna hit some sort of rough patch. And how you respond to that, you know, are you able to recover? Can you respond? Can you get it going again? And little things, health of your team, just the fatigue factor, the wear and tear, and then is everyone getting along? And oh by the way, once again, we said there, there are things that just don't show up on paper. Right. Do guys get selfish? Do guys get selfish? Does the disease of me enter in now with the bright lights of the tournament right. where one person wants to separate themselves with the with the scouts there in, in the regions and now says, hey, this is my time. I want to put myself on the map. I want to get drafted. And they go away from the team concept. So these mm-hmm. these are the things you just – you, you can't measure. Nobody – you can look at efficiency. You can look at matchups. Nobody knows for sure the mind and the and the desire, really, of the, you know, of the individuals and the teams. Let's quickly uh, take a look at the bracket for a moment. I had a couple of questions about it, uh, and I made the comment here on Sunday uh, that I think the selection committee has an absolutely awesome responsibility – it's a very, very difficult thing in my mind to put this thing together and to be able to announce a, a 68-team uh, bracket uh, roughly about 45 minutes after the final game has been played. To do that is absolutely incredible. I thought they did a fairly good job. However, uh, Louisville and Duke in the exact same region, 
uh, and Duke not getting a number one, I had to seriously seriously question that. Um, the other one that I, I throw out to you, and we have brought it up here on Fan Junkies Radio consistently uh, for, I guess, a good uh, two months now since you were on with us in mid-January. Uh, there's Gonzaga getting a number one. You had said way back on January 18th right here on our show, Gonzaga, watch for them. They're going to be a powerhouse. And at that particular time, they were ranked seventh in the nation. Let me go to my first question. Should Duke have gotten a number one? I frankly felt they should have. Second question, is Louisville really a number one? Number three, is Gonzaga really a number one? All right. So here's what I think the to answer the first question, since as long as I can remember, the winner of the ACC regular season and ACC tournament has always been a one seed. Mm-hmm. This is the first year that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that there do get enough out of conference to still manage a way on the one line, but for no, there's no way that neither Miami or Duke should be on the one line. Miami's the one who really got slighted. For Duke to put them on the two because they lost, you could see that. But Miami's the one who got slighted. Louisville, by winning the Big East, which was the second-rated conference, um, you know, put itself in position with another with a great late-season run. I want to say eight in a row off the top of my head where to put themselves as the number one team as far as the number one seed. The problem is that that Midwest bracket, that served them very little good because they loaded the Midwest with 12 tough teams. Yeah. So one to 12, one to 12 is, you know, that's the toughest region. And, yep. and so what, you know, Louisville much rather have had a two seed in, uh, for instance, in, in the West, Right. And be the one seed in the Midwest. It, it right. makes no sense. And then last, you know, last part I believe you asked me was about um, Gonzaga. Gonzaga. So Gonzaga deserved to be a one seed. You can't be the number one team in the country in AP and not be on the top line. There's no way you can justify that. But now here's what I don't understand: if Gonzaga is your third or fourth lowest one seed. If Louisville and Indiana, rightfully so, are the top two one seeds, right? Mm-hmm. How do you not have Duke and Miami in with, you know, one of those should be in with Gonzaga. Those are the two best two seeds on the board. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it makes no sense. Ohio State was on the 3-4 line a week ago. So now they're, they're, they become a two seed. It just makes no sense uh, as far as that part of the equation, but still this becomes the best three weeks in all sports because you have no idea what's going to happen. What you do know is that, um, you know, there's going to be Cinderella. You just don't know what, uh, where she's going to show up and what form she's going to be in. And oh, by the way, Cinderella is not quite like, she was dressed before because the difference between teams one and 40 is the smallest it's ever been. Okay. That that difference between the teams are so small because you have now between guys going to the NBA and between guys transferring with 400 kids transferring a year now, 
So you go now the the talent is equally or as evenly distributed as it's ever been. Mhm. Talking about Cinderella's, um let me ask you uh and you made a, and that's exactly where I was going to go next. You said obviously there's going to be Cinderella's. Uh who's the Cinderella this year? I've heard it could be St. Louis. I've heard it could be New Mexico. Uh, however, you didn't rate either one of those teams uh, very high, I think, in the recent uh, article I read from you uh, on uh, uh, Brackets uh, 101 over on 247sports.com. Um, w- where do you see the Cinderella's coming out of this? Well, I think, first off, and it's just philosophy, right? So I went – and through my research, I looked at six out of the last seven national championships were either one or two in offensive efficiency. Offense, in the way the tournament goes, first off, you don't know how the game's going to be called. Usually, for instance, what's hurt, let's say, Big East teams or Big Ten teams, you know, why hasn't the Big Ten won in the last decade? Well, because they can play a lot uh, more physical game within the conference, and then when they get to the tournament, it's called a lot. It's called a lot quicker. The fouls are called. They're not able to play that style of play, and now all right. of a sudden it's a disadvantage. So how's the game going to be called? So that's where I think from the, from the, the defensive side, I think everyone kind of buckles down some on defense, but offensively, you you really you either have it or you don't. Meaning mm-hmm. you've got the the firepower. Where once they take away your best player, now how do you score the ball? And that's where I worry as far as teams that are so dependent upon keeping their opponents to a low score or teams that depend on one or maybe two options in order to score, I think those are dangerous teams to really have taking you far in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Cinderella. What, what, one of these teams – and who it is, we'll find out soon enough. There's somebody, it's either going to be Arizona or Notre Dame, can make a real run at this thing if they can play what like they're capable of playing. I think the West, there's one bracket that's going to blow up, okay? that's Historically, that's what happens. One bracket that's going to blow up. <laughs> Where's the bracket going to be? Usually you have, you'll see there'll be two double digits, playing each other to go to see who advances to the Sweet 16. Um, and, and generally there's a 12 seed that, you know, each year, since 2001, there's been a 12 seed win the first round game over a five since 2001. So there's definitely going to be a 12 seed that's going to go far. I think that 12 could be California okay. because of the three, of because of the guards, uh, because of the guard play. But, you know, remember this Cal team that lost to Utah its last game. So anything is – and Utah, you know, is not a great team. So anything's possible. A lot of people like Oregon against Oklahoma State. Right. And you have Dana Altman there, and and he's a tremendous coach. But now you go into – you got two freshman guards. Now, Kentucky was able to win easily with freshmen, but you got two key components of freshman guards for Oregon, and and that's – certainly something that concerns me because I love tournament experience when it comes down to going and advancing. So I thought, I think Arizona is the sleeper team that has the talent. They have, they have the talent. They've kind of underachieved since 
December. They've been underachieving. They haven't played great. But, you know, they, they just had a little funny thing happen, you know, in the Pac-12 tournament in which there was a no call. There was a call that should have not been a call, and they lost the two-point game and knocked down the Pac-12 tournament, and Sean Miller got fired up for it. Right. I think this now, with a kid like Mark Lyons, who's had tournament experience going deep for, with Xavier to the Sweet 16, with the seniors, Solomon Hill playing his best ball, you've got Nick Johnson as a prolific scorer, and then you've got tough matchups in these freshmen between Caleb Tartowski and Grant Jarrell, an inside-out threat. To me, Arizona is the sleeper team in this whole thing that can make a run all the way to the Final Four. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Now, you make a great point. And I know that this happens. This happens to every one of us that play. Uh, I, I say play, play the bracket. You know, every year, there's always a there's always a portion of the bracket that, as you point out, blows up. Which which portion can we expect to see blow up this year? And if I if you mean blow up from the standpoint that it's just going to go completely against what everybody thinks, that's where I'm using the word blow up. Would it be that Midwest uh, region? You know, I personally think Louisville will, will not make it to the Final Four. I think there's a energy that that it takes to win the Big East tournament. And yes, they won it three. You know, they won it last year as well. But if you think about it, these kids now play a lot of games, these guards, and what it takes them for them to win, they they have to play a maximum energy game to win, and, that, and it's hard to do that mm-hmm. on the first six in a row. So now you take in consideration, I mean, they'll have a walk in the first game. The next game is not a walk. Colorado State's a very physical team. Missouri is a team that's also kind of underachieved all season that has talent. And then looming, if you happen to, you know, if you happen to get to this next round with Mm -hmm. the St. Louis team, which really is, Senior, you know, seniors, experienced, motivated, right. helter-skelter, and then whoever comes out, whether it be Oklahoma State or Oregon, you know, you've got that's, – that's a tough little bracket. And then the, on the back side, who I think it'll be Duke, but Duke, Michigan State have a – I think a lot easier – you know, I think Duke has really a, an easy path mm-hmm. in order to get there because, you know, this Memphis team – is an interesting team that can end up losing in the first round by 10 or could end up smoking, you know, smoking into the Sweet 16 because that's, you know, from the talent side, they have that type of talent. They're just, you know, inconsistent. But I think Duke's got the the easier path in Duke versus Louisville. I think Duke has more weapons to score the basketball. So I like Duke to make it to the Final Four. I think they are... Uh, a little bit under the radar this year. Every year I root against Duke. I do <laughs> think this year lines up for him. Who do you have your other three? Are you willing to give us those? Yeah, yeah. I, I like my national champion is Kansas. Ah. And I think the Jayhawks, one, they've got the experience. They've got senior guards, Travis Relaford, Elijah Johnson. They've got senior post presence, and Jeff Withy, a, a rim protector and a difference maker. 
They got the young kid who's also senior, who I think is a huge factor. His development is a huge factor to be able to give a little high post, low post action. You have the elite talent in Ben McElmore that can slash, he can get the rim, he can play fast. And then I think the one factor, the X factor, Perry Ellis, who's also a, he was a dynamic freshman that's finally starting to play well. The Kansas team has they play they play well enough defensively. If they could get it going offensively, I think they're the national champs this year. Ah, nice. Yeah, I know you're probably you're. you're <laughs> <laughs> you knocked my, my Kansas pick, man. So. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Lee. and then so um, so where where do you guys have Kansas? I haven't actually completed my bracket yet uh, fully. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, I, I don't believe that in the end I'm going to have them even in the Final Four. Yeah, I got them in my okay. Final Four, and I got them as my national champion. So, Right. Well, you have usually – it's like the every other year, right? Kansas, Ohio State, those are like every other year. You either fall in love with them and you pick them and they break your heart. or Exactly. Or you go and you say, no, I'm not doing it this year. And then, uh, and then they end up coming through. So it's 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 really, once again, that's why it makes it great. I mean, I think when you look at the East, there's no doubt about it that there's going to be a colossal matchup. This Indiana Miami matchup is, I think, a tremendous matchup mm-hmm. potentially. And individually, I like Miami in that game. But the you know the Hurricanes, you know, I'll give you an interesting thought. The um, you know the X factor in the East, in my mind, could be and and once again, they still they got to play the games. The X factor could be if this Illinois team could get back to December form. Mm-hmm. They're a team that could knock Miami out talent wise. They they've got they got on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it'll happen, but I I think what more likely you're going to have Miami taking out Indiana to advance out of the East. But the um, that's I definitely look for that in the uh, in the Elite Eight. And I think on the like I said, on the back side on when we went back to the West, I, I think it's you know, I went with Arizona. I think it could also be a Notre Dame, uh, that would advance and eventually I get you know Duke taking that taking them out to play Kansas with Kansas beating Duke for the for the title. Okay, so uh, let me make sure I got this. Duke, Kansas, uh, you're saying it'll be Indiana or Miami coming out of the uh, east, and Arizona or Notre Dame coming out of the west. Right. That's, okay. Uh, and I'm picking Ari- on my bracket, I picked Arizona. Um, but it's, you know, we're rolling the dice. Belmont's a dangerous first-round team. Yes, they it is. Yep. three well that's yep. got – couple five-star kids and seniors and, and so on. I just think that, um, you know, we get back to sort of this, this motivating factor, right? So Arizona is a team that, you know, last year, you know, it's a team that's got something to prove. Mm-hmm. It's a team that's built for the, ter- you know, for a tournament run. It's, you know, Lions and, and uh, Solomon Hill. It's, you know, this is what it's about. You're not, those guys are not talking about the, you know, this is like their last run. So I think mm-hmm. they're all in to make it, you know, to make it special. And 
and they've got enough talent and young guys that can, I think, provide an interesting, dynamic, and difficult matchup moving forward. They got to shoot the three better than they've been, but that's, um, you know, that's always a. Uh, you never know. You never know. You go into some of these arenas, as you guys may or may not know. You know where you play is a huge factor too. Yes. Uh, you go into some of these arenas, and you could be a great shooting team, but you could be in a bad or in, in just an arena that doesn't have the, uh, in essence, like the right backdrop, and now nobody can find, you know, can find the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as that goes, odds wise, top five. I'll give you a couple of stats. You know, people love numbers. The uh, Louisville's the favorite in Vegas, right? Louisville uh, just right. under five to one. Indiana's second choice. Florida, which is a three seed, is third choice, which is kind of amazing. Uh, I think, think that's amazing. It. I would agree with you. Gonzaga and Kansas, both 10 to 1. At fourth and fifth, Duke is sixth, 12 to 1. Then followed by Miami, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Georgetown. That's the top 10, which, uh, you know, with 10 being 20 to 1. So, it's relatively uh, interesting. The one team that jumps out, which uh, which I think a lot of people find interesting, is the 16th choice is the number eight seed Pittsburgh Panthers <laughs> at 33 to one, ahead of VCU, Arizona, UNLV, Marquette, ah. Kansas State, ahead of all those teams. So there are there is a school of thought that thinks Pittsburgh can make a little run here and knock out the um, knock out the Zags. Here wow. I'll give you one other fun fact thing. They do these all these computer simulations which you know which makes it a lot of fun. So here I'm gonna give you stats as far as the ten best upsets percentage wise. Okay? You ready? Most Go ahead. likely least likely starting at 58%, Minnesota over UCLA. Then Missouri over Colorado State, 51%. Oregon over Oklahoma State, 51%. Colorado over Illinois, just under 51%. Then it goes Iowa State over Notre Dame. Oklahoma over San Diego State. Bucknell over Butler, 41%. Cincinnati over Creighton. Villanova over North Carolina, uh-huh. and then one of the biggest differentials, Mississippi, Ole Miss over Wisconsin, 37%. Remember, wow. a 12 has taken out a 5 Yes. since 2001 every year except for once. So picking what that 12 seed will be is, is critical uh, as far as that goes. We talked about, in, I don't know if you saw in, in the piece, is a big difference if you're if you're in a ten person pool or twenty you know the smaller your pool the less likely you are to take great risk if you're in a big pool so let's say you're in a you know you're in a giant pool right and you love Louisville and there's you know a thousand people in the pool well if you pick Louisville in a third of the pool picks Louisville. Well, now you're one of 300-some-odd people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so now you went from 1,000 to 300. Well, it's, you know, it's going to be really tough. So you got to be able to, you got to be able to go and, 
you got to be able to go and come up with a couple of uh, perspective. You know, like there was a stat last year, for instance. Those that took Kentucky, it took Kentucky, which was a 40%, 40% of all people took Kentucky. So now your odds, if you took Kentucky, was smaller than if you took Kansas because there were less people that took Kansas. So you had a better chance to win, even with, the, in, if you will, a team that was destined not to mm-hmm. uh win the championship, you had better odds to win with the runner-up than you did with the champion. So those those are interesting things to think about. The other thing, scoring, do you have underdogs? You know, do you get extra points for underdogs? For instance, there, there are those that will go seed, you know, seed plus round. So if you pick a 10 in the first round, that's 10 points. If it goes to the second round, that 10, you know, gets multiplied. So now all of a sudden you pick a 10 seed, you got 10 to go to Sweet 16. You got 10 points in the first round. You got 20 points in the second round. That you know that 30 points is a lot more valuable than if you picked a, a one or two seed to advance. Right. A lot further. So you got to know what what your pool does. Uh, I have just one real quick final question. Just give me a yes or no on this one, Lee. I am sitting back tonight. I'm watching my alma mater, LaSalle Explorers in a play-in game against Boise State. Uh, do my guys have a shot at moving advancing to the 64, yes or no? You know, it's those are two <laughs> teams I really like to make the tournament <laughs> and two teams I really like. It's, it's probably the one matchup I didn't want to see LaSalle in because LaSalle is built – LaSalle has the guard play to actually win games in the tournament. Yes. they You know, the three guards that they have are as good as anybody – and I think they could really make a run. Um, so to get to answer it simply, I said, yeah, I I, I think you root you root probably for your alma mater. Understanding though um, that boy, you know, Boise is a little bit better of a team, but I think you got a fighting chance with LaSalle because of the strong guard play. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Explorers. I'm hoping that they get the W, and um, if they do. If they do, they can win another game. They get that confidence. They can advance and maybe even win another game. I hear this thing. Lee, we thank you so, so much for being on. I know that uh, a lot of our listeners probably took copious, copious notes. I know I did over here. Uh, For our listeners, uh, you can catch uh, Coach Lee Klein and some of his writings over on 247sports.com. I know you also appear frequently over on Yahoo Sports Radio. Uh, so yep. you can catch him over there as well. And, Lee, thank you so much for being with us today. We truly appreciate all of your insight. Tremendous stuff. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great day. You too now. Oh, there you go, man. He picked Kansas. I'm going to tell you, you can't get much more thorough <laughs> than, than what Lee Clyde just gave to you. If anybody <laughs> messes up on their bracket, you got nobody to blame but yourself, I'll tell you. Because you just got a comprehensive lesson. <laughs> I just, uh, you know what, man? I just love, love, love that. You know, right before you came on, you knocked my Kansas pick, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so real quick, Mike. Uh, we got 20, 12 minutes left of the show. Yeah. Who are your final eight, and then who are your final four? Yeah, I, you know, Jonathan, I got to tell you, I have not sat down and done my bracket yet. I really uh, haven't. Uh, and, and, I, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to necessarily uh, uh, announce it or pronounce it. I, I'll be more than happy to do it on 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 Friday, um, 
I, I, I like. I, I will say this: uh, of the number ones that we've got going in there, uh, which include Louisville, uh, Kansas, Gonzaga, and Indiana. I'm going to tell you right now: I do not have Gonzaga. I will not probably have Gonzaga going to the Final Four. I will not probably have Kansas going to the Final Four. Um, Louisville is a maybe. Indiana is a probable. Uh, I think I'm. I, I probably. Uh, obviously, I can't have Duke going to the Final Four if I've got Louisville in there. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going on that one uh, at this point. Okay. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't know. This is a very very bizarre year. Uh, it's it's as I have pointed out so so many times. It's a dominant lacking collegiate season. Yeah. And as Mike Shashevsky pointed out. Uh, the head coach for the Duke Blue Devils, uh, I guess about two weeks ago, uh, he came out right and said that absolutely nothing would surprise him this year. Nothing. Yeah. All right, well, I have a little bit of a surprise going into my final four, so we'll get on that Friday then. Let's get on that Friday, yeah. Great, 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 great stuff. That'll be open for him Friday, anyhow. Absolutely. All right, Mike, well, uh, you know, thank you to uh, Lee Klein for joining us. That was great stuff. Oh, really Let's get into some NFL, but before we do that, and we will talk about it in a bit, uh, the running back rule has been passed 31-1. to 1. It is now illegal to lower the crown of your helmet. <laughs> it passed 31-1? to 1? 31 to 31-1, and the tuck rule passed 29-1 to 1 with New England and Washington uh, abstaining. All right, so the tuck rule is out. Yes. Is tuck okay. rule is done. Okay, tuck rule is out. Uh, running backs running uh, forward with their head down is not to put their head down now. So let's see how many people get injured now. Uh, let's see how many penalties we see on this. Yes. Uh, you know, you and I talked about that one on Monday, and uh, we're we're both, I think, on the same side of that one. Absolutely, absolutely. That one just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Yep. I mean, I understand what the NFL is trying to do, but I understand it, but it's not right. So. Uh, all right, let's go into uh, mock draft real quick. Uh, new updated one from Daniel Jeremiah over at NFL.com, Mike. Uh, he has offensive tackle Luke Jokel of Texas A&M going number one to the Chiefs. Right. Defensive end from Oregon, Deion Jordan is jumped up to number two now going yeah. to Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, big fan of Deion Jordan. If there was any way he could fall to my Jets at number nine, it would be amazing, but I don't see it happening. Uh, Shara Floyd, defensive tackle Florida going number three to the Raiders. Defensive tackle, star Lotulele from Utah going to your Eagles, Mike, at number four. Um, D. Milliner going six to the Browns. Geno Smith dropping to number eight going to the Buffalo Bills. Outside linebacker Jarvis Jones going to my Jets. And Jonathan Cooper, offensive guard of North Carolina, going to the Tennessee Titans at number ten. Right. Um, what do you think of that? Uh, you know, does that look uh, good to you? Well, you know, I like what you're doing here today because, I mean, my gosh, we just got done doing speculation over the tournament, and here we are doing speculation over uh, the uh, the draft. I mean, aren't they, aren't they kind of the same thing? Yes, they are. I, I mean, really, let's it's get it speculation, straight. Speculation, man. All, uh, yeah. What I found interesting here was Geno Smith going uh, now dropping down to number eight, all, albeit um, this is not the only mock draft that we've looked at where Geno Smith is eight. No, and instead of March, he's been going around seven and eight. Exactly. I was just going to say, uh, I, 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 it has to be at least three, four weeks ago. I, that's where they had Geno Smith at that point, and yet we've heard Geno Smith going as high as three and four yeah. in other in other scenarios. Yeah. So I find it interesting uh, where he's at at this particular time. Uh, the number eight spot seems the most 
likely to me, maybe number seven to uh to uh the the Cardinals. Um uh that number one pick to um um to the uh Chiefs. Uh report that I had sent over to you that apparently Andy Reid has indicated uh that there have been some sniffs around from other teams about yeah. whether they would uh, be interested in uh trading off their number one pick. Um, what do you read of that? Uh, do you think that's a good idea? Um, no, you know what? Because they need to build. They need somebody in front of Alex Smith, and I think they need to stay at number one, and they absolutely need to uh, draft Luke Jogel. I, I mean, I just I just don't see how they wouldn't be able to. Their offensive line is a mess, Mike. Yeah. You know, uh, you know they need to keep number one. If they somehow get blown away in a trade for number one, and end up like let's say acquiring uh you know uh, some uh, big name offensive uh, player. Along with, let's say, the number four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine pick. Uh, okay, yeah, why not? But you know what? You need to address your hole, and uh, their biggest hole is offensive tackle. So I think it would be very, very idiotic of uh, Kansas City to trade their number one pick. Yeah, so you and I would be would both be in agreement yeah. that moving their number one, trading it off, even if you could end up somehow or another getting two number ones in the first round, uh, that that would be a mistake. Uh, yeah, for Kansas City it would be. Yeah. Uh, if it was any other team, if it was Oakland, if it was uh, Jacksonville, or even Philadelphia, um, I wouldn't think the same way. But Kansas City is really, really rebuilding right now. So. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, that would be a mistake. I'm uh, frankly surprised that uh, Reed would even make the comments because I think by making the comment, aren't you actually? Doesn't it sound like they're almost inviting? More conversation about no, Well, yeah. You know what? I think they want people talking about it. You know, it's a new regime over there in Kansas City. It's a whole new team. It's, the, you know, new people in the office, uh, new head coach. I think they want people talking about them right now in, uh, you know, in any way, shape, or form that could be out there. So I think by putting it out there, it keeps everybody guessing and it keeps everybody talking about the Kansas City Chiefs this year with uh, some of the, uh, you know, great moves that they have made so far. So I would venture a guess, though, right now, Kansas City Talk Radio. Uh, probably has a lot of their fan base saying, don't you freaking dare think about moving our number one pick. Yeah. Well, that would be my guess. You know I mean, what? You know, you've got to give it to the Kansas City fans. They are very, very loyal. Yeah. And I would think that they are not in favor of uh, that, that management group going and trading out their number one. No. Well, will there be a Mike Dicka in this draft? Will he trade uh, you know, eight draft picks just to get up to number one? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, will we ever see that again? Yeah. I, I Really? That was uh, that was bizarre. That uh, was a, um, a a brain numbing move, Mike. Uh, real quick, just regard with regard to uh, this particular draft that you ran down uh, the lineup on, Jarvis Jones to your Jets. Uh, good, bad, indifferent. Are you pleased with that? Listen, I want Deion Jordan, Mike. I've told you that numerous times already. He's not going to number nine. I don't necessarily know if the Jets are going to trade up. If they can trade up, I wouldn't mind them grabbing Geno Smith. What the hell? Why not? If they stay at number nine and they end up getting Jarvis Jones, I would be okay with that. Um, they need an outside linebacker, and Jarvis Jones is a good player. So, But if it comes down to it and they don't get Jarvis Jones and he goes before, I wouldn't mind uh, Xavier Rhodes out of Florida State cornerback. What about Dean Milner for your team? I, if, if he dropped to nine, amazing. I just don't see it, Mike. Oh, I don't see Gene Milner going nine, but I'm saying let's say you were able to trade up but maybe not get quite as high as, you know, my God, Deion Jordan going number two, uh, that's actually a little bit of a shock. I was a little bit surprised by that. I didn't think he'd be going that high. 
Yeah. Um, but let's enough. say Good you point. were able to move up high enough to be able to pick up a Dean Milner, would that uh, would that work for you? It, it, it all depends on the Revis situation, Mike. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, are they going to re-sign Darrell Revis? If they do, you know, I, I I don't see them going after a cornerback. I, I I see them if they can trade up. I see them going after a Geno Smith. So if they were to pick up a D. Milner, it would be an obvious indication that, in fact, they have to do something with Revis. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? D. Milner would be a uh, great stepping stone. So I would agree with you. I so, would agree with you. Is what it is. Uh, real quick, uh, Jerry Jones coming out saying that uh, the contract extension for Tony Romo is coming real soon. Mike, we said that uh, we both like Tony Romo. It's uh, he, you know, he gets an unfair rap down in Dallas. Uh, you know, is this good for Tony Romo, or do you think he needs to go somewhere else eventually? Well, no, you, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting because the comments that you're referring to also had a bit of a caveat to them uh, from Jerry Jones. And the caveat was that uh, they're kind of looking for a bit more from the coaching staff, and he, he's looking for a bit more from uh, Tony Romo. I would expect that what you could see here is a restructuring of, of Romo's contract uh, with a lower scale – uh, but perhaps a little more incentive-laden is what I think you're probably going to see when that contract extension does come out. Yeah. I believe that, in fact, Romo will get his extension. Uh, uh, Jerry Jones, I think, really, really likes Romo. Um, so I think you're going you're gonna to get it. But it, it, it's very interesting because the comments, to me, were kind of um, uh, it, it, an indication that, in fact, uh, Jerry Jones is looking for a bit more from his quarterback and from his coaching staff. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Mike, well, you know, I'm going to throw out this little tidbit for you right now, and I want you to think about this and get ready to talk about it on Friday's show, okay? Mm-hmm. With the rule being passed now that a running back cannot lower his head now, yes. I want you to take that and put it towards the statistics of guys like Jim Brown, O.J. Simpson, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, even Curtis Martin, and I want you to tell me how that could have changed history if that was – Put through years ago. Wow. Yeah, okay. All, All right. right. I'm making notes on that one right now. Make notes. Write it down. Jot it down. I got so many notes from today's show, it's not and, even funny. And also jot down. <laughs> Lee and Jonathan both pick Kansas and, to win. Okay, I'm ready right. to down. Lee and how do you spell your name, Jonathan? Uh, <laughs> Winner. W-I-N-N-E-R. <laughs> All right. Very well, good. Touche. Absolutely. All right. Anyway, um, tomorrow, Sports Blogger Radio, 8 p.m. East, uh, Eastern uh, Time here on the Fan Junkies Radio Network. Don't miss it. Joining us Friday is the host of Sports Blogger Radio, John Leary, and we're going to talk about the moves that the New England Patriots made and the and the moves that the New England Patriots should have made and how it's going yeah. to affect them. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I want to get into a little Boston Sox with them as well. I wouldn't mind getting into a little Boston Bruins with them. Hey, why not? We'll talk Boston sports tomorrow. So, uh, excuse me, Friday. But, uh, yeah, don't forget, tune in Sports Blogger Radio tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Fan Junkies Radio Network. Yep. And then join us Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, as we're joined by John Leary from Sports Blogger Radio. As always, FridayHouseSports.net. Check it out. Go over there. Great content. Five minutes at the frat house. Awesome stuff. We love it. I love it. You should love it, too. Fanjunkies.net. Please get over there. Sign up. It's 100% free. It's a social networking site built for you, the addicted sports fan, the diehard. And we can't go any further without you. So please sign up. And I'm on my knees begging. So 
All right, but anyway, once again, thank you to Lee Klein for joining us today on Fan Junkies Radio, and thank you for tuning in and listening to us. So for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Ragus. Enjoy your day, and we'll see you all Friday. Happy spring. <laughs>